Hey, I want to take a minute and just, can we give God praise for what he's doing through the book bag outreach? I'm excited about that. Ah, there you all are. Um, I'm excited about this book bag outreach because it's just, man, it's such a good opportunity to love on our community. And I'll be honest with you, we opened it up to like the public and shared it on Facebook. And within a couple of days, we actually had to shut down registration because we had such a high volume of people. And what that means is we got a community that needs some help. Amen. And so I just want to thank everybody who's, who's given to this and, and stood behind this and made it happen because, because of your generosity, we're able to do this. Amen. And, uh, you know, let's, let's go ahead and pull out all the stops. Let's get a good team going and let's love on some people because we're expecting, just by the traffic that we've seen on Facebook and, and stuff like that, we're expecting several hundred people to be here on campus. And so we definitely want to make sure that we accommodate them. That's amazing, guys. So thank you so much for, for making it happen. And I also want to take a minute just for everybody who listens via our podcast, I want to welcome you guys this morning. Can we say hello to everybody who listens via podcast? We actually have a lot of people that listen. Hello, podcasters. All right. All right. Well, listen, I've got a message that I've been wanting to preach for a long time. Actually, it's a message that I've been wanting to preach for several years. If you can believe that, I've had this kind of stored up and I've been working on it and working on it. And just whenever I go to preach, I'm like, I don't feel like it's the right time. I don't feel like it's this. And actually, when I got asked to preach today, I had another message that I was going to preach. And as I started writing it down, I'm like, man, I feel like I should should go ahead and pull this one out. And I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to challenge us. I think it's going to encourage us this morning. Um, and I, here's the other thing. I think it's going to be like the best two-hour message you've ever heard. Come on, somebody. <laughs> say amen. Hey, while you're at it, look at your neighbor and say, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> hit the one in the middle. All right. That's a little subtitle to my message today. If you're taking notes, if you want to write that down, I'll get to more on that later. But if you want to write that down, the title of my message is called Do It Again. But if you want to do a subtitle, right, hit the one in the middle. Um, there's a little story in 2 Kings 13 that we're going to be looking at right now. And this is a really short story. It's just a couple of verses. And, and it's easy to skim right over it and, and just dismiss it as unimportant. And, and kind of one of those. It's Old Testament, too. So how many of y'all know that some of the Old Testament stories can be a little weird? Um, and so you read over it and you're like, I don't feel like that has any principles. And this is kind of one of those stories that if you're not careful and you don't kind of, kind of spend a little bit of time on it, you'll miss it. And, and however, I just believe that the application of the principles found in this message and in this story is going to help some people. Amen. Um, I see people's prayer requests and I hear people's prayer requests on social media. I see stuff going on and and I just really believe that this is going to be a word for somebody this morning. Are y'all ready to get into it? Here's what I need from you guys. Don't be scared to say amen this morning. I am not one of those people, like, I'm not weirded out by it. You can shout me down. Um, I'm going to do my best not to bore you. Let's do the same for me, amen? Let, let's let's uh, bring it out of me this morning. I've, I'm running on, like, an hour of sleep, and my voice is doing some weird things. So if I start getting really high-pitched, I'll toss in a cough drop. Just don't judge me. Just go with it this morning, 
right? But I also need you to be expectant this morning. I need you to have a spirit of expectation that God's going to do something, that God's going to speak to you because I believe it. Over the last couple of weeks, man, we've seen so many people being attacked uh, in their personal life, and I believe it's because of what God wants to do in this church and, and what God wants to do in your lives, amen? Because here's the deal, attacks don't come to people that, that the enemy's not scared of. So if you're feeling attacked, then that means that something's going on. That means that God wants to use you, and I believe that this morning, Let's get to the text. It's 2 Kings 13. We're going to start in verse 14. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him. I want to stop right here because depending on which translation you're reading, that will actually say Joash. I'm reading from the NLT if you want to follow along with what translation I'm reading from. It calls him Jehoash. So that's what I'll be calling him this morning. It's not like a misprint or anything like that. King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. He said, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And he cried. He, he, he went to see Elisha who was sick with the illness that was going to kill him. And he knew that this would be probably the last opportunity to, to see the prophet and get some guidance. And Elisha had some great insight. And, and, and King Jehoash knew that. And so he was going to the prophet and, and the king was desperate, and we'll learn why in just a couple of minutes. But he looks at Elisha, and he says, Father, Father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. Now, if you look back in 2 Kings chapter 2, you'll actually see that Elisha said that to Elijah when he was taken to heaven. And, and so the king is, is saying the same thing to him, and, he, and that's symbolic, and it's, it's showing some respect, and it's showing that, hey, you know, you're the prophet, and, and it's because of your insight. It's not because of our strength. It's because of your ability to hear from God that Israel has, has been, you know, prosperous, and it, it's through the insight of the prophets and God speaking. How many of y'all know that God can give victories when the armies can't, Right? And, and, and so he's saying, it's just a kind of a respect issue. He's saying, listen, I know that you're about to go to the one you love. Amen. So let's keep going in verse 15. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Go ahead to the next verse. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow. Listen to that proclamation. This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. And I, I, that, that, now that place right there is, is modern-day Syria, so that gives you kind of an idea of where this is happening. And it's actually pronounced Aram, but I cannot get the word Aram out of my... Because I, I feel like it sounds more Middle Eastern, right? It sounds way more Middle Eastern, but it's actually Aram. Um, but he, he's saying that this is the Lord's arrow, the arrow of victory. Now, this isn't written in your Bible, 
but, but it can be read like this. That word Aram right there can be replaced, and it can say, this is the Lord's arrow, the arrow of victory over depression, the arrow of victory over anxiety, over addiction, the arrow of victory and seeing your marriage healed, the arrow of victory in your relationships this morning. Let's, let's just go ahead and take this word, and you replace it with what you need it to, to be replaced with, right? Because that's what this is symbolizing. This is the king's enemies. This is the king's attacks, that place represents that. So it's going to represent that in our lives today. And, and what Elisha is saying is he's proclaiming that this is your victory over Aram. And I love the next part. It says, you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. You will completely conquer. I love that. Now, understand the situation that's happening in, in 2 Kings 13. You have to have a little bit of context behind it. Uh, the king is desperate because he's experiencing pressure on all sides. He, he's experiencing pressure from his enemies. He's experiencing attacks. And, and uh, you know, if we're going to go ahead and let uh, Aram represent the things that, that our circumstances and our situations. And why don't we go ahead and let uh, Jehoash represent something, right? And so when I read this, I, I start to know that he's facing these attacks. And to me, it sounds an awful lot like life. You know, Jehoash sounds like life, right? Um, and, and I was reading this story, and I can start to understand why Jehoash was so desperate to hear from God. He's been experiencing these attacks, and after the last week or two, I can kind of relate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack something. Can y'all give me like a couple of minutes to tell you some attacks that's happened to me over the last couple of weeks? Um, actually, the last first part of the year, but we don't want to be here all day, right? Um, but the last couple of weeks, starting about two Saturdays ago, my 90-year-old grandmother had a stroke. She had been sick with pneumonia. She had a stroke, and she fell. She broke her shoulder, broke her arm, and, you know, they, were, they took her to the hospital and all that. And I actually found out a couple of days later because that's my dad's side of the family. If any of you know my story, you know that um, my dad left when I was young, and so I don't really have a lot of connection with that side of my family after about the age of 10. And so I didn't really have a connection with my grandmother after the age of 10. But over the last couple of years, we've tried to start rebuilding that relationship, and, and she's reached out to me, and I've reached out to her. We wanted to make sure that she got to know my kids and had pictures of them and, and got to visit them. And I was thinking, we went over there just... Just, just right after Lila was born, and we actually went fishing, and my son threw everything possible in their lake. Like, their lake is, if they ever drag the bottom of that lake, it's going to be all of our possessions. And, you know, it's going to be like juice cups. At, at some point, he threw Lila's pants in the, in the lake. I don't even know how that happened, you know. And he threw his fishing pole. Like, I was trying to teach him to cast, and he just, you know. And I, I'm like, well, that's not how you do it. You know, you're not going to catch anything that way. Um, but my son, he really just, he enjoyed it, and it was a good time, a good good time to let them visit and, and, you know, just get to know my grandmother. And so I was praying for her, and I remember we're getting ready to go to the hospital. I'm like, this may be the last time that I get to see my grandmother. And actually, that may have been the last time I get to see my grandmother, because after you have a stroke, how many know that you're not necessarily in your right mind? And, and so I'm like, 
God, please, you know, I'm like, we're trying to rebuild this relationship. I'm like, don't let this be the last time. And I want to tell you, thank God that she's like doing better. She's uh, actually going to be moved to a like rehabilitation center in in Carrollton. And so that's amazing. She's 90 years old. (laughs) You know, um, a stroke normally takes like healthy people out, right? And she's 90 years old. And I I, I just remember thinking, I'm like, well, thank you, God, that we're going to continue. And I took the kids to see her the other day and she's just doing was so good, but then Monday, following Monday, Judah was following us around like any two-year-old, getting into everything, and we went into our office, and we were coming back out, and he he stuck his hand in the door jam, and, and my wife was shutting the door so he wouldn't go in there, and she didn't see his hand was in there, and so like she shut the door, and it's like one of those, it was one of those like, why won't this shut, you know, it's like, ugh. And he was, at that point, he's so upset he's not making noise. He's, you know, and so his fingers are in the door jam. So that was a trip to the ER, you know, and uh, I remember they were talking to my wife and they're like, well, how bad do you feel? And she's like, you know, I feel like a bad mom. it, It was a nightmare, but he ended up just having some like internal bruising and actually after the initial like traumatizing experience of it he he didn't have any weird reaction after that like he never acted like his hand hurt again then Wednesday July 4th we've been doing firecrackers and as soon as I say fireworks you know everybody's like oh god you to burn the house down that's not what happened um We've been doing it. We've been having a good day. We're waiting on dark to happen because sparklers don't look as cool in the day and and stuff like that. But uh, Judah, we were eating dinner, and Judah was jumping on the couch. My kid has a lot of energy, and, and so he was jumping on the couch, and we were like, Judah, stop jumping on the couch before you get hurt. And as the words left my mouth, off the back of the couch he goes, upside down on his head. So we get him up, and he's like, he's, of course, he's crying, but there's no blood. There's no, like, gashes or anything like that. He fell on the carpet. So we're like, okay, well, he seems like he's okay, but we're going to call our nurse advice line that we have through our insurance, and it's a nurse at Children's Health Care of Atlanta. They had us do, like, a couple of tests to check for concussions and stuff like that. The very last test that they had us do was to follow our finger and, tur- you know, turn your head. When he turned his head, he lost it, like, hysterical. He was screaming, talking about how bad it hurt. And so, of course, she, at that moment, she goes, hold him down and call 911. And so they're like, we take neck injuries very serious, call 911. So the paramedics come, they get my kid, they stabilize him. We're in the hospital again, like, you know, on Wednesday of the same week that we were just there. The doctor was the same doctor that was on call, and so she recognized us. We're thinking, yeah, right, we're thinking Child Protective Services are going to get called, and, uh, you know, uh, and here's the deal. My kid, and I, all kids are like this, but Judah has a special ability to do this. When he's at home and he gets hurt or he's sick, 
It is the end of the world. He hits the doctor's office and boom, it's time to play. I feel great. Thank you for bringing me to the doctor, you know. And so we're at the ER and, and he's like wanting to jump around in the room and there's nothing to do. They have this little collar on him. And, and I'm like, dude, listen, stop moving. And um, they, they came in, they examined him, realized his neck wasn't broke or, or anything. It wasn't life-threatening. So he went to the very bottom of a long list. It was July 4th, and I could tell you that every Bubba in Bremen had a here, hold my beer moment, right? It, it, it was like, hey, watch this, you know, are you videotaping this? And, and they're in the ER, and so it was very busy. We were there for like six and a half hours, didn't get out until midnight, and so that was crazy. If you can imagine that with a two-year-old, we had to get x-rays. He's having to wear a collar. It was crazy. So thank God he just ended up straining his neck muscle. And, uh, you know, they were like, just let him rest. Give him some Advil and stuff as he needs it. Um, I'm not done, by the way. Uh, this is just a couple of things. Uh, the next thing that happened was on Friday, my daughter started getting these little purple splotches on her leg. They looked like little small bruises that were about the size of a pen, like somebody just barely marked on her leg. And we looked it up, and of course, she had meningitis. <laughs> you know, don't ever Google anything. You, you know, don't Google anything when you're sick. Just stay off the computer, call a doctor. Um, but we started noticing that it didn't look like that. It looked more like bruising and not so much like a rash. But we did find, I'm not going to be able to say the word, so just pretend that I said the word. But it's actually a common thing in babies where they will break out and it's like capillaries busting under their leg. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to take her to the doctor on Monday. Can't do anything about it on Friday. We're not going to take her to the ER because we're going to lose our kids if we go back to the ER. <laughs> um, and so we take her to the doctor on Monday. And of course, they see it. They do say that this is what she has. Sends her to the hospital, sends Rachel to the hospital. Right now, get blood work. We're getting urine samples, all kinds of stuff. If you've ever seen a baby get blood work, it is awful. <laughs> it is the worst thing in the world. And thankfully, again, this, this issue can be caused by literally anything. She could kick her leg too hard. We can hold her weird. It could be caused by her teething, having a cold, but it can also be caused by a very serious clotting issue with their blood, and it can also be caused by certain bacteria and stuff like that that's in their blood system. So they wanted to make sure that she was okay and that this wasn't serious, and so that was traumatizing. And then Last week, Judah started feeling sick, had a little cough. We took him to the doctor. He had pneumonia, and thankfully, we caught it very early. So they got him antibiotics, and he's feeling better, got him breathing treatments. But y'all know my son. He's got a lot of energy, right? Um, breathing treatments. <laughs> anyway, if you see Judah this morning, and he's shaking uncontrollably and kind of like, you know, it's okay. Like nothing's wrong with him. He's breathing treatments and, and his energy level is pretty high. So um, what I'm trying to say is I can understand attacks from all sides. I can understand pressure. I can understand what King Jehoash is, is going through here and what honestly what Israel's going through. But Israel is going through this pressure and these attacks because it was stuck in a pattern of half-hearted kings. And the half-hearted kings were the examples that Jehoash 
Saul before him. What I want to tell you this morning, church, is when we get stuck in negative patterns, um, defeat kind of becomes natural, right? This is where you get this, of course, this happened, or, or, uh, you know, it figures that this would happen. It's when we get in that mindset of, well, uh, you know, it's about time for this to happen or, or something like that because defeat becomes the normal. And what actually happens a lot of the times is victory becomes the dream because we're stuck in a pattern. And as a new king, Jehoash was facing the patterns of the kings that were before him. And I want to take a minute here, and I want to, I want to just, just a little minute, and I want to tell you today that you can break some patterns. You can break some patterns. You can be a good father, even though that's not the pattern that you saw in your life. You don't have to follow the, the pattern of dysfunction that you saw represented by your parents. And you don't have to seek the negative attention just because that's been your previous pattern. You can actually break some negative patterns. Somebody say break the pattern this morning. So Jehoash is a new king, and the prophet's dying, and he's facing attacks on all sides. If you've never felt attacks like this, if you've never felt pressure like this, then I know that this may be hard for you to, to, to kind of associate with. I know that this can be hard for you to maybe be able to visualize, but if you've been attacked in your health, you've been attacked in your finances, been attacked at work, been attacked in your marriage, your relationships, then you understand why he is desperate and you understand why he is crying. Amen? He goes to Elisha for comfort, but God, speaking through Elisha, gives him instruction. He says, get the bow and get the arrow. Get the bow and get the arrow because you're not going to experience victory weeping over what is dying. He says, get the arrow. You're not going to be able to, to see the harvest in this season if you're stuck in the memory of the last. Amen? So he says, grab the bow and grab the arrow. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. As I'm reading this story, I start to notice that the, the, the things that he told the king to grab would have been something that the king would have had with him. It would have been something the king would have had bows and arrows, especially if he's getting ready to plan for some attacks and he's feeling some pressure because he knows that it's coming. So he would have been ready. And what I want to tell you this morning church is that God will oftentimes use the thing that's in your reach to give you the victory that you're wanting. Take the bow, take the arrow, and then go open the window. One of my favorite speakers, Leonard Ravenhill, he, dude, he's awesome. If you've never heard him, you should look up some stuff about him. He preaches hard, so just buckle in if you want to listen to anything by him. But he said one time, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of an opportunity. And so what the king's doing is he's gone to see Elisha. He knows this is going to be the last chance, and he wants to hear what he should do because he's facing pressure. Elisha told the king to fire the arrow of victory. When I was reading this, I was like, man, only God could speak in past tense about a battle that hadn't happened yet, about, about a victory that hasn't, been, that hasn't happened yet. Only God can do that. Jehoash previewed the victory. He, he saw the victory. It was being proclaimed over him. It was being spoken over him 
Fire the arrow of victory, the Lord's arrow of victory. And I want to ask you today, what do you need victory over? What is the victory that you need to preview? Elisha also said, open the window. Sometimes we can't see the victory because we can't see past the walls. The walls of limitation, the walls of our excuses, the, the walls of our own lack of faith, the walls of our circumstance. We got to be able to open up the window, get past those walls. And it reminds me of another story where God told the Israelites, hey, I'm going to give you the victory, but you have to walk around some walls. And, and, and I remember reading this and I'm like, you know, when, when Joshua is walking around these walls and these Israelites are walking around these walls, they don't know what's on the other side because the walls are there. They don't know what's happening. They just know that God told them the walls are going to fall. You've got to get past the walls. You have to open up the window. And here's why. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. God wants us to view the victory. Jehoash fires the arrow. I'm not going to do that this morning. Can we, just, can we just all be glad about that? I'm actually holding it upside down. So, so that, that should tell you something, right? I'm holding the, the bow upside down. Pastor Josh, when I asked him to borrow his bow and arrow, he was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, uh, he, he was asking me, like, if I need a certain tip or anything. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm just going to fire it into the wall. You know, and, and I'm like, I can patch it. And I wish you could have heard it because he, he, he wasn't like, no. Which, that's even scarier. Um, he, but he was like, uh, do, you need a, do you need a target? I'm like, no, man, that's going to be too much on the stage. I'm just going to fire it into the wall. I'll fix the wall. And, you know, at this point, he's like, it might go through the wall. And I'm like, I'm just kidding, you know. I, I don't even, I don't, I could just picture me getting up here and firing this bow. And it just becomes an insurance issue. And, you know, um, but I, I, I just thought it was funny because he never actually told me I couldn't. So maybe that's what we'll do next time I preach. We'll just fire some arrows and see, see what happens, you know, <laughs> see what happens. Um, but here's what I'm thinking. When, when, when you're firing an arrow and you're aiming and you're looking, now the window's open and he's looking at the enemy and he's firing the arrow. His focus was on the arrow, not the enemy. His focus was in the air. His focus was in, uh, on the victory that Elisha's saying, this is the Lord's arrow, the arrow of victory, and he's taken his focus off the enemies. He's gotten past his walls, and he's able to view the victory. But I noticed that Elisha told him to fire one arrow out of one window over one enemy. And this brings me to my next point, that I believe God wants us to clarify our conflicts. We're viewing the victory, but we have to focus the fight, right? Uh, he, he told Joash, Jehoash which window to open and which battle needed to be fought next. And what I've seen in years of ministry is many people do not get victory anywhere because they're trying to get victory everywhere. God wants us to clarify the conflict, and as I was writing my notes and kind of going over this, because I've had to preach this to myself like several times this week, you know, as things like we're just, we're just waiting on the call from defects because of all our doctor visits and ER visits and, and stuff like that, you know, and, 
um, I've had to preach this message to myself, and it, it just reminds me of a great theologian. And um, man, this theologian had some lessons that were so good that they made like a series of movies about them. And you know how pastors are about their series. So that makes it even better, right? You know, that makes it, of course, it's relevant now. Um, and I was thinking, I'm like, this is a good lesson from one of my favorite theologian, the great theologian Rocky Balboa, was fighting Drago, yeah. right? Yeah. And the enemy was strong. He's knocking him around. He's fighting him. He, he, you know, he's, he's tossing him around. And I want to challenge you, if you've never seen this, you should watch it, right? Um, but he's fighting him, and, like, Rocky looks so small and of course, this is the great Dolph Lundgren, and, and uh, he played He-Man, right? Some of y'all don't know about Masters of the Universe. It's okay. You don't have to know, but just take my word for it. He's He-Man, you know? And he's knocking Rocky Balboa around, and, and uh, the round one ends. Rocky goes back, and he's just shaking, and he goes back. His trainers are giving him water, and they're fixing his cuts, and they're, they're trying to pump him up, and they're trying to let him know that, you know, hey, you know. And one of them looks at him, and he goes, what's happening? And I'll never forget it. Rocky goes, oh, he's winning. <laughs> yeah, in my best Rocky Balboa voice, of course. Um, I can't do that, so just, uh, just imagine it, right? And he looks at him, and he goes, I see three of them out there. And Paulie looks at Rocky, and, and, and listen to this. Lean in, lean in. He goes, hit the one in the middle, right? See, see that's some good advice to somebody. Say, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> the enemy are coming from all sides, but I believe that God will show you which window to open if we let him. If we seek him, the king's coming to hear from God. King's coming to, to know that everything's going to be okay. But God will show you where to aim that arrow. And I believe that when, when you fire the arrow but you don't have aim, what happens is, is we take that action and it leads to frustration and exhaustion and, and discouragement. And I, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things. You know, I've seen so many Christians in my years of ministry that didn't fall off track because they were great sinners and had great struggles in their lives. It's because they got discouraged somewhere. It's because they got tired somewhere. It's because they got tired of fighting battles and seeing defeat. They got stuck in a pattern where they felt like that, that, that this wasn't going to work anymore. Now, I've seen so many Christians get impacted. And I want to tell you that people spend their life learning how to have victory, but they never learn where. They never focus on where. They never stop to, to wonder if, if there's something that they should try to tackle first. And I believe that God will show us that because we don't fight or win all of the battles at once. Amen? Got to clarify the conflict and fire the arrow. In verse 18, we get to see what happens next. And honestly, this is really cool. Like we're reading about the the arrow of victory and the victory over uh, all our enemies and with it, that we can have the victory. We can visualize the victory. We just got to get past the walls and we just got to take action. We just got to fire. We just got to take aim and, and all that. But what happens is then church ends, right? And then the application begins. And so I've seen this very thing happen when church is over and it comes time to apply. It's the very thing that happened to King Jehoash um, because here's what I noticed about this story is the greatest enemy wasn't out the window. The greatest enemy for you is not out there. The greatest enemy was not Aram, 
right? The greatest enemy was not out there. And so Elisha is telling the king what he must do to go from seeing the victory to seizing it. Dave, if you would, come on up and play for me, please, sir. We're going to be in verse 18. He said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times, and he stopped. He took the arrow. Depending on which translation you're reading, he actually physically, like, did that. I'm not going to break your arrow. I don't have the money to replace it. Um, some translation talk about he, he kind of threw it down like a spear, and then others say that he actually fired the arrow. But he took the arrow, and he struck the ground three times, and he stopped. That's where the title of this message comes from. Because when we feel like stopping short, I want to tell you today, church, to just do it again. I want to tell you to just do it again. Look at your neighbor and say, do it again. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been stopping short in an area of your life. And God is telling you today to do it again. Verse 19 says, but the man of God was angry with him. He, he, he says, you should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. But now you will be victorious only three times. Now, I read this, and I don't, I, I've never understood why the prophet got so mad. So I wanted to do some digging. You know, did Jehoash get tired? Did he run out of arrows? Like... Um, why did he stop? And even furthermore, why did Elisha get mad? Because chances are we would have done the same thing. Like how many of you have been given like an instruction and, and at some point you're like, so what do I keep doing? And like he didn't say Simon says, you know, he, he just told him strike the ground. And, and, and so I'm like, why did the, the prophet get so mad? And when I started digging around, it's heavily implied that the king understood that by striking the ground, he was symbolizing his victories. And by only hitting the ground three times, what he was saying is this is beneath me, it's not worth it, and it's unnecessary. Because remember, the king had already seen the victory. Elisha had already told him that, hey, this is a victory. This is the arrow of victory over your enemies, right? So this was overkill in the eyes of the king, and then some commentaries and, and different things say that by the king stopping on three, it actually betrayed his lack of faith in God, that it was God that was going to win the battle instead of the armies, because the king was stuck in a pattern. He was stuck in a pattern. And then lastly, verse 20 says, Elisha died and was buried. The window was closed, and the king left with I should have. The real enemy is within. It's the lack of faith. It's the patterns. It, it, it's the, the patterns of defeat. It's the patterns of, of, well, I've got this. And you stop before God tells you to stop. The king saw the victory in the air, but he couldn't apply it on the ground like to ask you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes. Nobody looking around in this place. 
I want to speak to a few groups of people this morning. And the first ones are those of you that maybe have never accepted Jesus. Or maybe you have, but you're far from him. Either way, I'm talking to you now. I want to tell you that God loves you so much. God loves you so much that he died for you. And I love being able to come up here and share. I love my church. I love the people in it. But ultimately, I do this because of you. I do this because you're important to God, so you're important to me. And I want to tell you that God loves you. And he brought you here this morning so that you could hear that he loves you, so that you could hear that you could have victory over your patterns and you can break those patterns. But it starts with accepting his grace. And if that's you this morning, chances are you probably already know it. And if you want to accept this gift, I just want to ask you to look up at me this morning. You want to accept Christ for the first time or, or maybe rededicate. The second group is those that have stopped short for whatever reason. Whatever reason. And God sent me here to tell you to do it again. It's his arrows, but it's your action. Do it again. Gain the victory. If that's you, you've stopped short. I want you to look up at me this morning. I see those eyes. See those eyes. Eyes are going up. that's you and you haven't looked up at me just just look up at me nobody's looking around it's just me and you and then the last group that I want to talk to are those that feel attacks from all sides I left this broad because my battles are not your battles my attacks are not your attacks but you're feeling attacks from all Sides, and you need victory over something, I want to ask you to look up at me. See those? Now I want to ask everybody that will to just stand up all across the room. If you want to come up front, you can. But if you don't, if you just want to stay in your seat, that's fine. But I just want to ask you to, to just stand up. And here's what I want to do this morning. If, if you raise your eyes, I just want you to start to pray. I'm going to talk over you. I'm going to declare some things, but I just want you to start to pray. I just want you to start to speak out to God. You know exactly what it is that you're praying for. You know what it is that you've stopped short in. You know what it is that, that's attacking you. You know what it is you need victory over. So I, wanna, I want you to start praying. To start praying. And as you're praying, I want you to visualize the victory. I want you to visualize the victory. I want you to visualize the victory that's been spoken over you this morning. I want you to visualize yourself healed. I want you to visualize your heart whole. 
I want, to, I want you to just see yourself forgiven. I want you to see yourself passionate again. I want you to see yourself fulfilling your purpose. I want you to, I want you to start to see yourself free. I want, you to st- I want you to just start to visualize yourself free from lust, free from pornography, free from addiction, free from bitterness, free from anger. I want you to visualize yourself breaking the pattern. Maybe it's a pattern that you've been in for a long time. Maybe it's a pattern that you haven't been in for a long time, but you've seen as your example for a long time. I want you to start to visualize your relationships healed and and, and your marriage healed. Man, I believe that's one of the, the greatest places where the enemy attacks us. Because it takes so much sacrifice and selflessness but I want you to just visualize because here's what I believe I believe Hebrews 11 it says now faith is the confidence and what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see I like the way the NLT puts it it says faith shows the reality of what we hope for the reality of what we hope for and it is the evidence of the things that we cannot see we got to see it before we see it. We got to see it before we see it. We got to see it before we seize it. And here's what I believe God has given us the ability and the power to be able to see the unseen. Because how many of you know that we have the victory through death on a cross? And we have resurrection because of a death. And we have an empty grave because of that resurrection. So, just we're going to spend the next couple of minutes and, and it's just intimate just intimate time with God and we're going to pray and then I'll close us out but I just want you to pray and really seek after God today Father I thank you for what you're doing in this place God I thank you that that you are able to speak about our victories before they even happen, God. And so right now, I pray that that those that need victory, that we're able to start to see it. We're able to start to visualize it. We're able to start to see ourselves breaking that pattern because you're giving us the victory, God. You're giving us the victory. We thank you, Lord, that we don't fight for the victory. We fight from victory because we have it in you and in your power, God. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you for your spirit and your presence here, God. I pray for those that, that are being attacked, God. Let them know that those attacks mean that, they're, that, that they're, you're going to do something through them, that, that the enemy is scared. God, let them know that those attacks, God, that, that oftentimes we see that you'll end up using it to do great things. And we look at this story today, God, and, and you declared a victory over battles that hadn't happened yet. Even though the attacks were there and the pressure was there, you declared the victory. And we declare it. I speak it over these people right now, God. And if there's those here that have stopped short, God, I pray that you just fill them with the power that they need to do it again. You fill them with the restoration that they need to do it again, God. And I look forward to hearing some testimonies 
of some people that, that were able to do it again and they saw the victory and they saw the patterns broken. They saw themselves healed. They saw themselves free. They saw themselves restored. And again, God, we thank you that we can come before you just as the king did and we can hear your word and know that you're going to give us guidance, God. Because you're not a God who doesn't care. You're not a God who's hands off. You're a God who wants to show us which window to open and where to take aim. We thank you for that, God. I pray that there's those that's been fighting battles. And they've been fighting so many battles at once because they don't want to let anything go. They don't want, to, they don't want anything to happen. And, and God, I pray that you just restore them, God. Give them, give them rest and give them the victories that they need, God. And show them where they need to focus first. And, and for those that they, they're coming in here and they've been struggling with stuff, God, I pray that you show them through the power of your grace that they can be free from it. And this isn't a magic formula. This isn't say a word and everything's done. This is, this is a work that you're doing in them, God. I bind discouragement from happening. I bind up exhaustion. I, I, I bind up frustration, God. And instead, I pray just peace and the ability to know that you're moving. Your holy name, we pray today. Come on, church. Can we give him good praise this morning?